Welcome, all you blokes and chillers, to the Sport Shack from the Gold Coast, Australia. In the Sport Shack this week, we're going to talk about some of the sporting topics of the week and go back in time with some of our favourite sporting memories from the past as well as the news and events, music and film, and lots more. And all from and with our great mate, Paul Tonner. We acknowledge the Ugambe people, past and present, the traditional custodians of this land, of the Gold Coast. We thank the Yogambe people for the opportunities to do this podcast on their land. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Sport Shack. I hope you are well and have had a great sporting week. Hello Glenn. Hey Paul. You're a genius. (laughs) (laughs) We've got some of our our good old sound effects back today, because yeah. Glenn found an awesome program. Yeah. What's it called again? Sound. Sound pad. Sound pad. Yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah. A big fan. So it's a program that you can load in your sound effects if you're doing a podcast or even with gaming. Yeah. And then you can hotkey, which is setting a key. It could be any key, whether it's a number or 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 a letter to activate that that sound as long as the program's running. Oh, yep. So that's going to save you editing. (laughs) It's a godsend, I'll tell you. And it's only, that turns out to be about $8.50 Australian. That's a bargain. Yeah. Yeah, basically doing what I've got on my console, which cost me over (laughs) $1,000. It's all there in a few buttons. Yeah. Amazing. What a glorious day outside. Here on the beautiful Gold Coast. Not a cloud in the sky. Sensational. So how's your week been? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Pretty interesting. Some ups and some downs. Yeah. Good news and not too good news, but yeah. Yeah, well, the week started all right for me. It started bloody beautiful. You know why? Because <laughs> of the good old Manchester rain, yeah. <laughs> it saved Australia's ass in the in the ashes. Yeah. We were going to cop a hiding, and it basically rained for the last two days. Yeah. And because of that, the game was a draw, and Australia retained the ashes. <laughs> but it isn't looking too good in this match. And yeah. geez, a two all, two two all result. Gosh, they can count their lucky stars because, yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of the time they've been outplayed. Yeah, yeah. and, uh, yeah, geez, our batting is very, very shaky. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's to be kind. Yeah. <laughs> but they had a golden chance last night to put England away after bowling them out for under 300 on day one but I I just can't watch it like I watched pretty much the first session on Thursday night and I just get too fired up (laughs) (laughs) some of these field placings they're just like Pat Cummins oh my life Mm. you just think what the hell are you doing (laughs) like if he does that tonight the game be all over by lunch yeah. Yep. It'll be all over by lunch. Yeah. And before you know it, there'll be like none for 200. Yeah. Just giving away easy runs. 
Yeah. Anyway, what do you do? But thank you, Manchester, and thank you, Rain. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, normally not a. <laughs> yeah, but oh, but that they're a big slap for me. Yeah. God, Glenn, start the button. The slaps back. Yeah. <laughs> the 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 pommies. Whinging about it all. Oh gosh, you know, yeah, Pierce Morgan, especially, oh, yeah. you know, the greatest injustice of all time, and pretty much, and gosh, the amount of luck they've had. You know, think yeah. of the luck they had four years ago. Yeah. Um, especially with that Joel Wilson, yeah. the koala bear of cricket umpires, who's just clueless. <laughs> Look, this is on. Day four, they actually played about, I don't know, they played about 30 overs or something on day yeah. four. And it was like pitch dark nearly. Yeah. And this Joel Wilson, now this is the, the bloke who cost us the um, the Ashes victory four years ago over there when yeah. we did deserve to win. Yeah. When we had bloody... Ben Stokes absolutely plumb LBW, but because Australia had used up their reviews, they couldn't. Uh, and he, he, they only needed like two runs to win, and he decided to give it not out because uh, he's completely clueless, uh, no idea of the laws of the game. Uh, yeah, he was wearing his sunglasses. <laughs> uh, I remember a song when um, I was a kid. Corey Hart. Yeah. yeah. Oh, where am I saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got some of his albums uh, over the years. And yeah, I wear my sunglasses at night. <laughs> it's just, I cannot believe someone like that can get a job as an international cricket umpire. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, now, big clap for me is uh, Brian Harmon. <laughs> Now, he's an American golfer, and he's uh, a Ricky Ponting clone. There's uh, a splitting image of him. Yeah. Uh, and he won the uh, Open Championships by a country mile. Yeah, basically led from uh, the second day, day two, and won easy. So congratulations to him. Now, yeah. this is one guy I don't think I've ever heard of. His name's Cassel Rosso. Now, he's an Aussie diver. Yeah. And yeah, he beat the uh, Chinese to win the uh, what was it the three meter no ten meter high high board yeah yeah platform, yeah, yeah, platform in the diving yeah. and the Chinese just own diving you yeah. know they're just they have for years mm. and he he beat them on his last dive so that's yeah. a Herculean performance. So well done to him, and well done to our Aussie swimmers, especially the women. They've got the world championships on at the moment and performing extremely well. Like that swim by Ariane Titmus on on the finals on the first night. She's swimming against the greatest female swimmer of all time, Katie Ledecky, and this um, uh, Canadian young gun who's a world record holder. Yeah. But she just blew them away. Right like from the start of the race in the women's 400 metres. wasn't even a contest. Yeah. It was one of the greatest performances. She smashed the world record. She's an absolute legend. Yeah. Another guy, um, the men's 400 metres, his name's Sam Short. 
and he won the gold medal in that. And good old Kyle Chalmers, he won gold in the men's 100 metres. Yeah. So just, uh, yeah, doing extremely well over there. And the Paris Olympics are 12 months away. So hopefully, uh, you know, fingers crossed, they can continue all that in 12 months' time. How yeah. good will that be? Yeah. Now, another big clap for me. <laughs> the Lee Leopards. Right, so they... Their rugby league team in England, they play, they got promoted to the uh, uh, the Super League mm. this this year. Yeah. Now, they beat St. Helens mm. to make it into the Challenge Cup final. And Ch- St. Helens, uh, you know, they're the best team in the, uh, the Super League. They came yeah. out here and beat Penrith in the... Yeah in the club challenge earlier this year. Yeah. So they've gun side. Yeah, and Lee Leopard's upset them. And, yeah, they got promoted, and they're coming second on the table. Uh, you know, and this is their first season, like, mm-hmm. in a very, very long time in the big time. Yeah. Now, I'll show you their jerseys, Glenn. Yeah. We did an episode. Now, you weren't here for that one. Olivia and I did one. I don't know. But the Lee Leopards, they've got one. They used to be called the Lee Centurions. They changed their name at the start of this season. Yeah. Yeah, and it's done the club wonders. They should have maybe called them the Lee Leopards years ago because, um, yeah, geez, they're playing well. They've got one of the most fascinating football jumpers I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Super. Look at this. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> so, so is that a new jumper? Yeah. Since they changed the name. Since they changed the name, yeah. No wonder they're going well because if you sort of, if you don't <laughs> that, that coming towards you, exactly. you'd be going a bit, whoa. I'd be running the other way. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. Yeah. yeah, so well done to them. Now, I'll move on to the slaps. Well, oh, Parramatta, of course. Give them a big slap. Because, yeah, they're just going like a bastard. And they are only got themselves to blame. Got flogged by the Melbourne Storm last night. And, yeah, they've just let themselves down this year with suspensions and just stupid decisions, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, they won't make the playoffs. They're gone. Uh, Now, Ashley Werner. Now, she's... Plays for the Brisbane Broncos in the NRLW. And she got sent off last weekend. She was charged with biting a Sydney Roosters opponent. Yeah. And you know what her suspension was? Uh, Two weeks. Yeah. How ridiculous is that? Yeah. And the excuse was, oh, because their season is shorter. Uh, no excuse as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, mm. so... Anyway... Today's topic... Oh, have you got a slap for the week? I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, uh, the Queensland government. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're every week. They pencil them in for every week. Yeah, but, but because in Queensland, you used to be able to do a year tenant every traffic light, unless it was signed that you couldn't. Yeah, that's right. And now they've reversed it. Yeah. You can only do a year tenant traffic lights. There's a sign that... There's a sign. Yeah, it's yeah. like New South Wales. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I shit, that's a bit. But I found out just the other day that they're the only state that haven't outlawed um, gel guns. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. why would they want to keep them? Yeah. Just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. I wonder why the youth crime epidemic, we've got a, a youth crime wave that's yeah. out of control here. Mm. But, you know, they've got a lot to answer for. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, move we'll move on to today's topic, and it's all about white line fever. So, <coughs> pardon me. And that's a white line on the playing field, not not not, not the white line that ends up on the table with the credit yeah. card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Oh, uh, uh, well, some people wouldn't have a. They might be wondering, what the hell's white line fever? Uh, but what it is, it's those sports people who are nice as pie away from the sporting arena. However, once they cross that white line, their behaviour suddenly changes and they become ultra competitive, sometimes too competitive. And they may go beyond their usual limitations, resulting in a more physical performance, taking things too far resulting in a transgression of the rules. So, Glenn, when you think of sports people with white line fever, what comes to mind? Well, I'm not up to... Yeah, I'm not as big a sports fan as you are because every time I come here, I even go in your car, you've always got a sports podcast on. I don't think I've actually heard him listen to music. Even in the car with them for an hour, so it's still bloody a podcast on sports. So yeah. tuned into the sports radio. Or... <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that's a, that's white line fever because whenever I switch it on, Paul goes from one extreme to the other. Yeah. <laughs> Just picking you up in the car today. Yeah. yeah. I was ranting and raving about yeah. what happened last night yeah. at the Oval. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm just going to pinch one of yours. I'm um, mm. Glenn, Glenn McGrath. Yeah, former Where Are They Now? Yeah, and I think I'm even Richie Benner. Yeah. yeah he would, well, like, it is quite competitive on the field. Like, he wasn't yeah. a sledger or anything, no, no, but he just yeah, huge desire to win. He, he ran a tight ship. Yeah. He was really... Yeah. Yeah, uh, kept on top of his his, his um, players and the way they were bowling and, and that. But mm. but off the field, he was just a mm. really nice guy. Yeah. Even when he was retired and and the captain of the commentary team as the twelfth man, yeah. I'd say. And he, yeah, they, they they interviewed people around him, you know, where he used to live because yeah, he is. He's gone for quite a few years now, and um, they were saying that he'd be out every morning for a stroll, and he'd stop mm. and talk to people. And with Daphne, his yeah, wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whenever he was asked a decision, I think you know when he was asked, I think by Kerry Packer, to you know join. Um, yeah. yeah. When World Series cricket was starting, yeah. it was always, I'll go. Sounds good. But I'll check with Daphne first. <laughs> but no, he he ran. He was like that with the commentators too. Yeah. Like um, 
Yeah, Mark Taylor, when he joined the Channel 9 commentary, there was one time, yeah, when Warney didn't get his his century that day, you know, when he got out for 99. Yeah. And uh, it was found out years later that he, he was actually caught off a no ball. Yeah. So if that had happened today, Warney would have got his tongue. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and then Mark Taylor was commentating at the time yeah. and he called it a tragedy. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, uh, Richie talks to Mark Taylor and he goes, Mark, no, you don't ever say that. A tragedy is, you know, someone losing their son or their daughter. Uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Someone getting caught out for 99 isn't a tragedy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I've learned that lesson in life, uh, you know, when... Um, yeah, <laughs> like when Nathan Lyon went down injured in the second test, I'm there going, oh, it's a bloody, oh, gosh, it's a tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> then I'll reel myself back and no, no, don't use that choice of words. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, so what what comes to mind? Anyone else come to mind for you? Or? Oh, not at this stage. Yeah, yeah, Glenn McGrath for me and Warney as well. Uh, Warney, the nicest bloke, bloke in the world off the field, uh, you know, would always sign kids' autographs. Uh, He'd stay there for hours and hours uh, doing it and interact with the public, uh, you know, one of the nicest blokes you'll ever meet. Uh, but on the field, oh, my life, he just wanted to win big time, uh, you know. Such a competitor. Uh, uh, sadly missed, absolute legend. Jeez, I miss uh, him. Can I nominate myself? Yeah. Yeah, because they were back going quicker than that. Because I used, I used to get it, um, yeah, a bit of stir up by my father and other siblings a bit. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna get up first ball and stuff like that. But as soon as I, I got to the crease, it was a different story. And yeah, yeah, we we had a two-story house. I used to belt them over the over the over the house, and I'd have to go and get them. Yeah, well, I never had white line fever, but if I was on the playing field, someone was sledging me, <coughs> then it'd turn into white line fever. Yeah. It'd turn into red line fever. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you another guy. Yeah, he played he, Aussie fast bowler Rodney Hogg. Now he he was oh, yeah. one of Australia's leading fast bowlers back in the late 70s, 80s, and oh boy, you know, real competitor on the field, real fiery fast bowler, like, and he'd get so fired up that he would have, like, he basically um, had a punch-up, yeah, threatened to punch Captain Graham Yellop one day when they were playing England, it was in the 78, 79 Ashes. Yeah. And he wanted to take Graham Yellop <laughs> at uh, the back of the ground. They yeah. just got a wicket, and he's uh, yeah. And uh, and he, yeah, there was a game in the West Indies when they were touring there in '84. And Rodney Hogg just didn't like Kim Hughes and his captaincy, you know. Uh, and when Rodney Hogg got a wicket, there's an actual photo of it. I've got it on the Facebook page of him taking a swing at Kim Hughes uh, <laughs> on the field. But, oh, off the field, like, just the greatest larrikin. Yeah. And I remember when I was a kid, 
This was uh, 1983-84 season. It was Greg Chappell and Dennis Lilly and Rod Marsh's last test match. Mm. And pretty much the whole day at the Sydney Cricket Ground was washed out. And so, you know, I was there with a mate and his dad and and we got to get all you know pretty much all the players autographs and mm. yeah and i just remember rodney hogg just the loveliest bloke yeah. you know he'd be chatting to us saying g'day and yeah. well a lot of the other players would be just yeah. you know you know telling you the nick off and <clears throat> and this guy's <laughs> been um uh Oh, not one of my favourites. I've spoken to him, spoken about him quite a fair bit. Indian cricket legend, Virat Kohli. Now, on the field, you know, you know, we talk about sports people, you know, ones that really get on, get on our nerves. And, you know, I've spoken about the ones that get on my nerves over the years, uh. like Serena Williams and... You know, Virat Kohli has been, you know, in the top three. Uh, and, you know, just for his ultra-competitive and just India in cricket, you know, being so protected and getting away. That's another slap I didn't mention. Uh, <laughs> How many slaps we got left? Um, I'm going to save it. Save the... Um... Yeah. Well, the Indian um, ladies' captain, yeah, when they were playing Bangladesh, it was just last week. It was in the one-day series there. I think it was a one-day of 2020. And, uh, yeah, when she got dismissed, she didn't like the, decis- the, the uh, decision. Yeah. She's got a bat and smashed all the stumps over. Yeah. yeah, and then at the end of the game, when she was getting her prize, yeah. she um, started... <laughs> she's on the microphone getting stuck into the umpire. <laughs> now, if that was someone from another country... Banned. Yeah. Yeah. One year ban minimum. Yeah. Yeah, but not nothing. She got like twenty percent of her match fee or something. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. But no, with Virat Kohli, like I don't like the way he acts on the field and gets in, you know, the opposition's faces. But off the field, like they all say he's the nicest bloke you'll ever meet. Yeah. I heard um, on the Howie games recently, like Mitchell Stark, when he was being interviewed, he was saying Coley's the nicest bloke in the world. He's yeah. complete opposite to what he's like yeah. on the field. Complete yeah. opposite. Yeah. And then even on the field, like at the 2019 World Cup, you know, when Steve Smith and Warner had come back from that sandpaper ban. Yeah. And they were copping all that abuse, you know, from the English fans. And, yeah. and yeah, they were playing India one day, Australia, and that when they played India. And the Indian fans are just getting into it. Like, Virat Kohli was batting. Steve Smith is fielding. And the Indian spectators, like, especially this one part of the crowd, they're just abusing the hell out of Steve Smith. Yeah. Virat Kohli stopped the game. And he's walked over to where all these thousands and thousands of spectators are. Yeah. And he's told them to show respect and, yeah. you know. Yeah, and they behave themselves. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. And Steve Waugh, too. Well, well, what is he good yeah, for? Yeah, <laughs> real competitor on the field. Yeah. Um. You know, super ultra competitive. But off the field, you know, you think of all that charity work he's done especially over in India and 
you know, one of my sisters met him earlier in the year at, when he had that uh, his book launch, mm. you know, and yeah, oh, she just said he was just the best bloke. I couldn't uh, have done more more for her. Uh, and Aussie Leighton Hewitt, come on! The former great Aussie tennis player. Yeah, real competitor on the court. And used to rub opponents up the wrong way, but I always had the time of day for him. I just, I just loved him. I loved his competitive spirit. You know, imagine if, um, what's his name, Kyrgios, had the same sort of drive that Leighton and passion that Leighton Hewitt had. Yeah. That's why I just adored the bloke, mm. you know, because he was so, you know, yeah, so, had such a passion for competing for his country and uh. never, ever knocked it back, you know. Uh. Even when he retired, he even went and filled in for them one day playing doubles, yeah. even when he was captain, you know. Mm. Just, yeah, and off the court, he seems like a nice bloke. You know, you see him in those ads and... Yeah. Now, um, Stuart Broad, the England cricket player. Yeah, I've never liked the way he carries on on the field, but you see him interviewed and seems like a nice bloke. And Kirtley Ambrose. Yeah, gosh, he was mean ass during his playing career. Never said boo to anyone. Never gave interviews. And now that he's retired, I've never... No one a player, you know, a sportsman who's mellowed so much. And, yeah. You know, he's always, yeah, much more open to the media, lovely, friendly guy, loves his music, yeah. plays in a band. Yeah. And rugby league, you look at Michael Ennis. Now, they used to call him Ennis the Menace because he was such a pest on the field and mm. always, you know, annoying the opposition players and sledging them non-stop through the game yeah. but off the field just seems like a, he's a lovely family man yeah. you know he's on uh, fox footy has been on that ever since he retired and yeah just the complete opposite to what he was was yeah. like on the field yeah. yeah and anthony mundine yeah like the uh former rugby league player and Gosh, how many world titles did he win in boxing? About three. Uh, yeah. But I used to, you know, the way he used to slag off at his opponents and, yeah, just because uh, oh, he's, you know, Indigenous Australian. Uh, yeah, everything, everyone was against him. You know, he didn't get picked in the New South Wales team because he was a uh, Aboriginal player where yeah. half the team were Aboriginal, you know. Yeah, but, then, but then he goes and converts to Muslim. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But he made all those comments about when September 11 happened that, you know, the Americans deserved it, yeah. they had it coming, yeah. and which I think years later he regretted, you know. Yeah. But off the fi- away from the sporting arena... They say he's really shy, quiet, you know, great with the kids, does a lot for charity. Yeah. Yeah. And Tino Fasumalawi. Now, he's the Gold Coast Titans rugby league captain. And he's a real, oh, gosh, you wouldn't want to tackle him on the field. Just a real competitor. But off the field, and I've seen him down where the Titans train not far from where we live here. Uh, 
and just lovely bloke. I remember one day I was there, and he just comes up, says g'day, how's it going? You know, yeah, yeah I was just saw, you know, I was watching them when they were training. Mm. Yeah, but he got, he's been suspended for about three or four weeks, and it was just ridiculous. Like he got, he got suspended for shoulder charging, uh. and. It wasn't a shoulder charge at all. He just went to go and go in with his arm and tackle. Yeah. So just so pedantic with these bloody rules, the NRL, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Rightio, we'll move on to our quiz time. It's quiz time. Oh, it's back. Right. And we've got the thinking music, so it doesn't And the to thinking follow. music's back too. <laughs> you beauty. <laughs> you don't have to put up with my singing uh, and playing, sound effects. Playing of instruments. Yeah. Now Livy's not here today, Miss Livia, but she'll be back next weekend. And guess what next weekend is? It's <laughs> Miss Olivia's fourteenth birthday. Wow. Yeah. yeah, so we're going to have a special episode. Yeah. Stand by for that. Yeah. So, we've got five questions this week. Now, they're, they're not multiple choice this week. I'm going to read the question out. They're sort of, it's sort of like a mini who am I, right? Yeah. But it's all related to sports people with white line fever. Right, so I'll read the question out once. And then we'll have our good old thinking music back. And then I'll give the answer. Right, question number one. What is the name of the Czech female tennis player who is known as a fierce competitor? She's a two-time Wimbledon singles champion and is described by fellow competitor Madison Keys as, quote, one of the nicest people I've ever met, end of quote. And the answer is Petra Kvitova. Question number two. What is the name of the very eccentric former American basketball player who is known for his tattoos and piercing, was a fierce competitor on the court, is friends with the rocket man of North Korea, however, was shy off the court and always had a soft spot for kids. And the answer is Dennis Rodman. Question number three. What is the name of the trash-talking Irish mixed martial artist superstar who often gives an impression of a rude, obnoxious fighter? However, in public, we'll stop for a photo and a friendly chat. That's an easy one. The answer is Conor McGregor. Question four. What is the name of the well-known South American footballer who is known for biting players on the field, however away from the field, has a humanistic side to him, handing, out, handing his training top to a young girl after he accidentally hit her in the face with a football and he plays football with it. He plays football with youngsters in Uruguay, letting them win. 
And the answer is Luis Suarez. Yeah, so he doesn't just do that. <laughs> he squeezes, you know what, too, uh, to players. I think he got busted for that once. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yep. All right, question five. Last one. This is an easy one. What is the name of the Scottish tennis legend who has won three Grand Slam singles titles? He's a fierce competitor on the court with a never-give-up attitude. However, he is known for his dour, boring press conferences. However, away from tennis is intelligent, mild, pleasant and thoughtful with a sense of humour and cares about others. And the answer is... Andy Murray. Jeez, I've been talking a lot about him lately. Yeah. Hey. This week's Who Am I? Right, so I'm going to talk about a well-known former Aussie cricketer for Who Am I today. So I was born in 1971 and I'm a former Australian cricket great who, according to Wikipedia, contributed heavily to Australia's success and golden era of cricket in tests and one-day internationals. I was a powerful, aggressive, left-handed opening batsman, and I'm widely considered to be one of the best openers of all time. I hold the record for the highest individual score by an Aussie batsman in test cricket, 380 against Zimbabwe in 2003 in Perth. Now, according to Dilip Premachantran, in the Guardian, on, on the field, I had a win-at-all-costs mentality and was a fierce competitor. Now, former South African cricket great Graham Smith mentioned that I was one of the worst sledges. I nearly gave the name away there. <laughs> Good catch. I was one of the worst sledges, capable of incessant personal abuse. Now, away from cricket, I was renowned as one of the nice guys in cricket with a passion for cooking, fly fishing and surfing. I'm also a devoted and loving family man and a devout Roman Catholic who, quote, when I'm in trouble, I would ask what Christ would do, end of quote. I would also routinely cross myself on the field when I would score a century. I'm also an ambassador for the Australian Indigenous Education Foundation. My name is... Which will be revealed at the end of this episode. Right, so I'm going to talk about some other sports people with white line fever now briefly. Now, this is guy... It, that's not sunlight fever, is it? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of that before. <laughs> They've probably got a bit of Saturday night fever. Yeah, I don't know what they dance like. Anyway, PK Subban. I've never heard of this bloke, but he's a former Canadian professional ice hockey player. It was not well liked by many in the NHL, and he played 13 seasons in the NHL, 
Now, in 2013, he won the Norris Trophy as the NHL's top defenceman. Now, he was known for his exciting and hard-hitting style of play. Now, his colourful personality as well. However, he's criticised by many for being brash and self-absorbed. However, he's greatly appreciated, he greatly appreciated his fans and always took the time for a picture with fans and signing his autograph. Now, he actually committed $10 million to the Montreal Children's Hospital while playing for the Montreal Canadiens. And even when traded to Nashville, he kept his commitment and he'd come back and make surprise visits. Mm. Yeah, I think he's an African-American ice hockey player. I don't really... I've never associated that. Yeah, they normally, you know, normally associate uh, African-American athletes with basketball and uh, gridiron, eh? Yeah. Oh, track and field. Yeah, track and field as well. Yeah. Mm. Right, Shaquille O'Neal. Now, we all know about him, spoken about him quite a few times, but standing at 7 foot 7 inches tall and weighing in at around 360 pounds, he is one big unit who was a dominating and intimidating basketball player. He would often leave his opponents helpless with his great size and athleticism and had a mean demeanour. Now, off the court, though, Shaq was, and still is, very friendly, and has been ever since he started his professional basketball career, so he never let the fame get to him. And he played with a smile on the court and was a jolly joker off it. And anyone who comes across him off the court mentions what a pleasant experience it is. Now, Heather Watson, what sport do you reckon she plays? Uh, Have a punt. She's British. British. Okay. Uh, Does it involve a ball? Yep. Uh, And a racket. racket. Tennis. Tennis. Yeah. See these balls here? Libby and I made these last weekend. Yeah, Yeah, the energy balls. They are beautiful. Yeah. Yep. And the the uh, recipe was on the back of the packet. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Eating live in his own podcast. Mm, yum. Spilling <laughs> <laughs> crumbs all over the script. I'm missing uh, Livy not here this week because normally I can get up and. Yeah. Anyway, Heather Watson. I'll tell you all about her. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So she plays Great Britain tennis player who states that when she tours, she often feels lonely. I'll keep her company. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'll be a coach. What <laughs> Yeah. Now it feels like she often does doesn't fit in too, apparently. However, Watson mentions that she really has only two other players on the tour that she calls friends. And one of them is her doubles partner. Now, many people see her as distant and cold, but in actual fact, she's completely the opposite and is very friendly. She's always open to giving an interview with the media 
and has a very close relationship with her mother, who she often tours with, and she's always complimentary of her opponents. What do you think? Do you think sports people are obliged to give interviews? Uh, yeah. Yeah? I suppose so. Yeah. To give their side of view, or yeah, especially if they hold it. Well, they can get fined in a lot of sports, like in tennis, you know, yeah. if they don't give an interview. Like, yeah. yeah, like the NRL at the moment. Did you hear about that? Well, uh-huh. they haven't been, they've had a media ban for the past month or so. Because uh-huh. um, there's a dispute going on with the Players Association and the NRL, you know, uh-huh. over pay and all this. So. Uh-huh just ridiculous you know they've got it say good they get like nine weeks holiday uh, in between seasons and uh, you know hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, they get paid and uh, and this weekend they're hiding the nrl logo when uh, they run onto the ground uh, yeah it's just gone too far I, I don't know if you've seen it in your facebook feed mm. but you may see a video of um girls holding one breast Mm. It's in protest to a decision that was made in, I think it was the US, mm. where this um, lady took this janitor to the court yeah. for assault. Mm. And the judge deemed that holding his hand on the woman's breast for 10 seconds wasn't classified as assault. Really? Sexual assault. Really? Yeah, so there's a campaign to... Yeah, those videos you see that women holding one breast for 10 seconds mm. is in protest about... About that decision. Yeah. Mm. So what do you... What do you, you know, you, 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 do you believe, like I do, that you know, any sort of touching of an area? Yeah. Well, I believe in protecting, respecting one's personal space, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't but, even like someone getting too yeah, but, yeah, close to me. But, but that decision, what does that, you know, expand off to? Mm. Yeah, oh, well, I can get away with it. There'll be guys going around and go, oh, one, two, three, four, <laughs> five, six, seven, eight, nine, and oh, well, I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> but they'll dispute it. No, no. You got it. That wasn't right. You didn't press the stop clock. Yeah, but yeah, but, but yeah, but these stupid decisions. Yeah, you know, it gets out in the community, and people start. Mm. Yeah, you know, taking advantage of it. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, that's my rave on it. Yeah, it's a fine line, isn't it? Yeah. Just say so if you're on a train and you lose balance and you actually. <laughs> <laughs> Put your hand in the wrong spot. Yeah, yeah, well, that, yeah, well, if it's not done on purpose, yeah, yeah, that's understandable. But I think that, um, yeah, if someone's grabbing you somewhere in private parts of mm. ten seconds, well, I think that's definitely not accidental. Oh yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, have you ever seen the movie? Um, Holiday, I think it is, or something. It's a spin-off to remember the um, Chevy Chase of Lampoon Holidays. Oh, yep. mm. Well, this is one move where the kids were growing up, and they were they were taking their kids for a trip to 
tripped the heart to um, Molly World. But the son had grown up to be a pilot. Hey. And the pilot, was, and he was there talking to some passengers. And they, <laughs> they hit some air turbulence. And, you know, he gets lost on balance and he gets down and grabs both her, her, her breasts, you know, and he gets up and apologise. Then hits another pocket and he let, lands face down between her legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was sort of a bit, uh, right. bit over the top. But yeah, anyway. Perfect timing, eh? <laughs> Actually, this time in three weeks, when we'll be on air, on air Guess what's on? The Pacific Air Show. It's the biggest air show in the world. So we're going to have planes (laughs) flying everywhere, here, there and everywhere, above the shaki. That'll be interesting, eh? Mm. Yeah, so JJ Watt, he's a former American football defensive end. He played in the NFL for 12 seasons with Houston Texans. That's a great nickname, isn't it? Houston Texans. I think they would have come up with a better one than that. <laughs> we all know Houston is in Texas. Now, he's considered to be one of the greatest defensive linesmen of all of all free... Yeah, in free... Yeah, free times in his first five seasons. He picked up that award the best defensive linesman in the NFL. Now, in 2017, was named the Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year. Gosh, he must have been one hell of a player. Now, he was a tough defensive player on the field and a heart of gold off it. Now, when Houston suffered the devastating effects of Hurricane Harvey, what set up a relief fund and raised millions of dollars. Because initially the the plan was only to raise a couple of you know thousand, yeah. ended up raising millions. Yeah, yeah. great achievement. Yeah. And, and he was great with the fans too. Always taking the time to sign autographs and chat with fans. Now he once paid a surprise visit to a teacher for her retirement party. He also once wrote a letter to a fan's boss on her behalf, so she could take a day off work to attend. What's charity function? Yeah. Yeah. Right, we'll move on to our Where Are They Now? Just, just wanted to mention something about yeah. the fundraising. Here on the... This is quite a few years ago, but... Radio station on the Gold Coast, Hot Tomato. Mm. A, a lady rang up, you know, to let them know about... They were fundraising for this girl that needed to go to the States for the operation. Mm. And they were raising something like, I think it was around $60,000. Yeah. So, yeah, she rang up the radio station, up to my oven breakfast show, and that, 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 they interviewed her. And, and, by, <laughs> by the time the show finished at nine o'clock, yeah. the, 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 um, the, the, they'd raise the money on the website. Gee, that's and great. And also people were calling in and giving cash donations yeah. into the um, the studio. Gosh. So it's, 
so, so they end up with, an, I think it was in excess of $85,000. That's amazing. Just, yeah, but that's just the support of... Um, yeah. Of um, the Gold Coasters, because it's happened quite a few times. Mm. And the, and there's one boy that we know of, he drives a truck mm. and listens to the radio station. He always calls in whenever there's, you know, it's been put up for people looking for donations. He always calls in hmm. and donates $1,000 cash. Gosh, good on him. And his, his name isn't broadcast. Yeah. But he'll do it every time um, hmm. yeah, it's gone out on the radio. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. How old was the girl? Um, yeah, she was a young teenager. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it was very, yeah, they'd gone through plenty of other tr channels to try and get the funding, mm. but nothing from the federal government. But yeah, w w within the, you know, a couple of hours after she called in to the end of the, the morning breakfast show, mm. they'd raised the money. Gee, it's great. Yeah, it's, you, you don't know how the girl's going now? She no, went, no. Went and had the operation? No, no, no yeah. I think they did call back once she did come back, but this is yeah. this is quite a few years ago. Well, that's like just here, you know. Recently, earlier in the year, with the helicopter crash yeah. at Seawold, like the uh, the bo young boy who survived and his mum died. Yeah. Um, you know, but he had he's had to have multiple multiple operations. Yeah. He had, you yeah. know, I think. Yeah, some of his limbs amputated. Yeah. And, yeah, just the amount of wonderful money that people raised for him and his dad. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, because in the media, the Gold Coast does get a bit of a bad rap. Mm, exactly. But when you're living here and you get to know the people and, and, mm. and that, it's totally different. Exactly. To what you see on the media. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. oh, I totally agree. Yep. Yeah. Where are they now? Almost gone. I think we've run out. Of oh, we've run yeah. out of our. Where are they uh, now? Uh, oh, okay. Where are they now? He'll <laughs> be back next week. Uh, Don't you worry about that. Uh, right. So we're going to talk about a, a we're going a well-known former rugby league player. Now, we spoke about this guy in our very first episode. When was that? Three or four years ago? Yeah. He got a mention. Yeah. In that very first episode we did, Paul was talking about his memories of sport in the 1970s. Yeah, so <laughs> it was a long time back, but I do remember this man, yeah. Les Boyd. <laughs> I used to call him the baby-faced assassin. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he was like, not someone you wanted to, you'd want to run onto in a on a rugby league field. Yeah. Because he was as tough as they come. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, he probably spent more time off the field with suspensions rather than on the field playing. I'd say. Yeah. But he's very well worth talking about. You know, whenever I think of uh, white line fever, this man first comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, yeah, but I'll, I'll explain why. So, well, well, I just thought of one person that doesn't have white line fever. Yeah. 
and that's what Rex Mossett. Oh, yeah. Because he's both the same on the field as off the field. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was white line fever, you know, non-stop. Yeah. You know, like, he used to arrest um, people on his street, didn't he? Oh, yeah. When they were... Yes, these um, people decided to... Because he lived across the road from this beach. Cl- yeah, cl- clothes up from the beach. Yeah. And he went off. Yeah, he he made a citizen's arrest of them, taking their clothes off. And yeah. What did he say, that famous quote? I don't need uh, male genitalia rammed down my throat. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Because <laughs> I used to deliver pizzas around that area when I was going for a uni. And, yeah, I remember the street that he lived on. Yeah. yeah it was a real, like, posh part of um, yeah. Sydney. Yeah. yeah. But no, Rex will get a mention in a minute. Because okay. he called a classic Les Boy try yeah. on the 78 Kangaroo Tour that I'll never forget from an early age. Mm. So Les Boyd, he was born in Ningen, New South Wales in 1956. And he's a former Australian rugby league player who played in the 1970s and 80s, mainly as a second rower. Now, he wasn't a big guy. But, yeah, real tough. And he represented Australia playing 17 test matches between 1978 to 1982 and represented New South Wales in state of origin. Now, he played club football in both Australia and England and was one of the game's most intimidating players. Now, he, as I said, he grew up in Ningen. Now, have you been to Ningen before, Glenn? Uh. Yeah, it's in the middle of New South Wales in the Arana region. Now, it's got a population of just under 2,000, so it's not a big place, but, yeah, I lived in Dubbo. I think it's out near Dubbo, from memory, probably three hours from Dubbo. But, yeah, Dubbo is the main centre in the Arana region there. And Ningen has a rich agricultural heritage, but it's a big it's, it's got a big bogan statue and a fascinating colonial heritage. What's a bogan, Glenn? Can you describe a bogan for our overseas listeners? Well, a bogan is sort of what the Americans call the rednecks. Yeah. Yeah, bogans are sort of the... Yeah, the, um, the, 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 the ones that are missing a few yeah. chromosomes. A, a bit, yeah. There's only one one kangaroo in the top paddock, so it's <laughs> That's a good sign. But but, but they but they are they, they, they do make some um, yeah. um, good entertainment because there's a there's a town out in western western Queensland, I think it's Roma or something. Oh, Roma, like yeah. And yeah. where Artie Beatson came from. And that place is full of bogans. Is it? Oh, yeah, yeah because we, we, Is that where the term originated from? Or was it from uh, Ipswich or Western what, bo- Sydney? Bo- bogan? Yeah. I think bogan sort of started in Western Sydney. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, because yeah, it's sort of the... Um, yeah, the... the, the yeah, declared as... Yeah, dull bludgers and... Mm. Yeah, just... Yeah, 
Not that they'll have a housing commission home with half a dozen broken cars at the front. <laughs> yeah, and the, yeah, they, they wear the same t- singlet with it. Winter or summer, and, and yeah. smoke three packets of cigarettes. And <laughs> yeah. yep, that's a bogan. <laughs> now, while in high school, Boyd represented the Australian schoolboys in 1972 under future Western Suburbs Magpies coach Roy Masters. And then he played for Cootamundra, playing for them for three years. And he joined the Magpies at 18 years of age and played for the Magpies in the New South Wales Rugby League competition, which is now the NRL Premiership, from 1976 to 1979. Now, it was a, at first it was a shock to his system going from a country town to Sydney. And it was intimidating for him at first because he wasn't a big player. Yeah, when I moved from country town to Sydney, I loved it. Because <laughs> there wasn't much to do in Lura back in those days. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I thought, how good is this? But yeah, it was a bit of a shock, you know, being well, heaps of traffic. Yeah, and well, well, just say, well, like with me, I was born in the Cronulla. Yeah. Yeah, it's the southern shore of Sydney. Then moved up to the... Um, well, you went the other way, didn't you? Yeah, then moved mm. up to the country. I lived there for 32 years and then came to the Gold Coast. Yeah. And I find, I find the city atmosphere a lot more comfortable mm. than the country you know, lifestyle, which is laid back and, yeah. and quiet and sort of... You either take to the city life where you don't, hey? Yeah. Yeah. And I just found, you know, country life is great. Um... But, oh, you know, and it's good having the nice wide open spaces, but cheesy uh, running out of things to do <laughs> quick. Uh, and the bogans in the country have been taken over by retirees. Yeah. They've gone to the country. And, yeah, 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 anyway. Yeah, I so. We should do an episode on. What? Bogan sports people. Bogan sports, actually, <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah. Bogan sports people. Well, there's been quite a lot in rugby league. Would you and call Aussie rules? Would you call Merv Hughes? Yeah, I would. A, a Mark Mark Jacko Jackson. Yeah. Former where are they now? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, definitely some bogans. Well, Western Suburbs was a real bogan club. In yeah. the rugby league day, back back in those days. Have you, uh, have you seen, oh, the, what's it, that show called? Um, Fat Pizza. Oh, yep. That's a, that's a sh- and how's those? That takes off the bogan. Yeah, oh, yeah, it? yeah, yeah. What's that show with? Um, oh, you know the one that made fun of uh, Australian Story. Chris Lilly was it? I, I couldn't get into that. Yeah? I just... Yeah. I did it first, and then, yeah, I lost interest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so Boyd, he then joined, joined arch-rivals Manly Warringah Sea Eagles in 1980. Now, I've spoken about this in our earlier episodes, about the story of the Fibros and Silvertails, which was initiated by Roy Masters. So... And Masters did this to motivate the players, the Magpie players, and it was shown on a 60 Minutes 
um, episode in 1979 where Masters used his motivational strategies with teammates where they would slap each other's faces and wrestle with each other in the dressing room before the game. Now, Boyd said Masters was a very intelligent man and a great coach. Now, he motivated the West's players to believe that they were considered inferior by other teams, especially the cashed-up wealthy clubs like Manly and Eastern Suburbs. So whenever West's would play Manly, it was on for young and old. (laughs) Like, first tackle of the game, all in brawl. Yeah, you could get away with it in those days. Now, Boyd said playing for West suited him at the time because it was a team with with a lot of single blokes where Manly was a more settled club with many of the players married with kids. And this suited Boyd when he married and was more settled. So it wouldn't have gone down well. Like, I, I can sort of vaguely remember it. Because there was Boyd and a couple of other Western Suburbs players who all of a sudden went from, you know, one extreme to the other. Because uh-huh. Wests and Manly, they just hated each other with a passion. Uh-huh. Like, you know. And it was all from this Fibro Silver Tales started by Roy Masters. Because he just told them, you know, they all think, yeah, we all, we're not good enough. We're inferior. Uh-huh. You know. We can get trot all over and yeah John Dorothy was another one who went from West over the Manly in 1980 and oh boy that's uh, that's an episode we're gonna have sports people who became traitors yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's on our on our list for future episodes in the future yeah so Boyd was a hard running forward. It was small for his position, and he was selected to go on the 1978 Kangaroo Tour. Now, Boyd emerged as a star forward on the tour and was selected to play in the second Ashes Test against Great Britain, where he came off the bench, and then in the third and deciding Test match, in which he scored that sensational individual try. Now, Rex Mossop, he called the try brilliantly. Radonikus who was the Aussie halfback that game, passed the ball to Boyd from dummy half, around 25 metres from the Great Britain line. Rex Mossett, quote, Boyd, running magnificently. He's capped them! It's a try and a half! He's cut them to shreds! That is a crazy try! I tell you, he was like a runaway locomotive. He has torn the heart out of the English pack. And they should all get down on their hands and knees and pray to God that they are not castigated. <laughs> End of quote. What was that castigated? Yeah, well, when he com- he calls... He, I think he, first of all, he said castigated. <laughs> and then... I, no, I, I, meant, I meant castigated. Rex goes, is it castigated or castigated? No, I've never heard that word. Get your thesaurus out, Glenn. It's a, it's a Rex... A Rex Mossopism. <laughs> Thesaurus time. Good I think it's castigated. But it's yeah. it's one of <laughs> classic oh. Rex Mossop's oh. speech. Oh, oh, I Google. <laughs> Let's have Google. Ca- castigated. <clears throat> Is it castigated? <clears throat> yeah. 
It's a spelling list. <laughs> now, Boyd played for Australia before he played for New South Wales, and he was proud of what he achieved playing for his country. It's amazing how many rugby league players have done that over what the years. Is cascading? Yeah, they've played for Australia before um, their state. No, no, I had, I had it right. The spelling was right. Castigate. It means especially harsh. Reprimand in an especially harsh way. <laughs> well, those that Pommy Forward pack in 1978, they got. I'm sure they got castigated when they got back to the <laughs> at, half, at half time by the great Britain coach. Yep. Now, in 1980, Boyd successfully sued Mirror Newspapers Limited for publishing an article which stated that Boyd was, quote, fat, slow and predictable. Boyd played in both test matches against New Zealand in 1982 and later that year was part of the invincible side that went through Great Britain and France undefeated in all tour games and test matches. Now, Boyd played all three test matches out of position in the front row. Now, he scored a try in the first test in Hull and was sent off in the second half for kicking Great Britain's Lions hooker, John Dalgreen, who had kicked Boyd first in the tackle. However, it was missed by both the touch judge and the French referee. Now, BBC commentator Ray French called Boyd's retaliation a vicious kick even though he either missed or decided not to call Dalgreen's kick. Now, that's one thing I've noticed with, um, you know, the British commentators, like especially in um, cricket and rugby league and rugby union, they are just so biased. I've never come across... Well, the New Zealand commentators are very biased. But um, most, a lot of them, but, oh, the British ones, gosh... Yeah, Michael Vaughan isn't the former English cricket player. Yeah, great English cricket captain. Um, yeah, but, oh, gosh. Especially the rugby league ones. Oh. Rex wasn't players, was he? Rex. <laughs> yeah, he'd tell it what, like, what he thought. That's for, that's for sure. <laughs> he wouldn't hold back. But when it came to Manly, whenever he was commentating a Manly game, he was always well, it was, very oh, biased. Oh, very biased, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. yeah. Even if even if Manly was getting flogged, he'd still be having a good wind about how Manly's been done by hard by him. Yep. Stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, but um, I'll never forget that night when Monday Night Football started in the mid-80s. Rex Mossop was calling. He was um, one of the co-commentators, I think. And, yeah, they used to have, like, a mascot. It was dressed up like an emu, this massive emu on the sideline. Uh, and he said, if I see that thing again, I'm going to get a gun out and shoot it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, oh, he is a legend, Rex. Now, Boyd's send-off did not affect the result of the match, with Australia winning easily 27 points to 6 
and retaining the ashes. And they've retained the ashes since 1978. Unfortunately, there are no more kangaroo tours anymore, the last being in 1994. That's mainly, you know, because of the schedule now. They just don't have the time and you've got the emergence of all the Pacific Island nations now. Which is great, but yeah... I don't think a lot of them should be allowed to play State of Origin. You know, you're either going to play for your country or you're going to play Origin, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now, Boyd often had and was well known... This got a thought on that. Yeah. There's Islanders that come to Australia and play football Mm. for, say, Queensland or New South Wales. Have they nationalised... Um, yeah, a lot of them are. Yeah, some of them were born here. Yeah. A lot of them were born here, but because yeah. they're, that's their heritage, uh, so they can either choose to play, um, I think the way it works, yeah, they can choose to play for Samara or Tonga yeah. or play for Australia. But because yeah. they're a Tier 2 nation, um, they're still eligible to play State of Origin. Yeah. But that's not right, because... They shouldn't be tier two now, because I think Samoa made the final of the World Cup last year, uh, and they played Australia. They beat they beat um, England mm. in the semi final, you know. Uh, so they're named mugs, and then you know they beat Australia a few years ago. Uh, so you know how long are they going to be classified as a tier two nation? Mm, yep. Yeah, and you know. Like, I've got to admit, like, some of these Islander players, if they showed the same passion that they show when they're playing for Tonga or Samoa and what they do when they play for New South Wales, we'd have a better side. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, yeah, so Boyd, Boyd often had... He was well known for his volatile nature on the field, which was a complete contrast to his quite polite nature off the field and he was a man who rarely drank alcohol he was friendly and a laid-back country bloke now in the third ashes test boyd was sent to the sin bin now they brought the sin bin in in about 1982 around that time and you know back then the referee could send them off the field for five minutes you know depended on the transgression i guess or 10 minutes. You know, they, it's all 10 minutes now, I think. Yeah. But if they go off for 10 minutes now, like back in those days, they could easily, the defence could easily cover it. You know, but um, back in those days, geez. Yeah, but now, gosh, if a player goes off in the sin bin, you know, a team could rack up three tries and in the blink of an eye. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. like that first state of origin game this year where it went the other way. Queensland were down basically to... Yeah, they had that player off the field in the sin bin in the dying stages of the game and they scored two quick tries and won the match. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so Boyd, he was sent to the sin bin at the start of the second half at Leeds after a fight had broken out. Now, in the first test match against France in Narbonne that followed, Boyd went back to playing second row, then back to playing in the front row in the second test. 
Now, in a 1979 finals match when playing for Western Suburbs against Canterbury, Boyd headbutted former Where Are They Now, Graham Hughes, who was playing for the Bulldogs at the time. Now, Boyd was not sent off by former Where Are They Now, Greg Hartley, and play went on. Now, I was watching highlights of that. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. It was, was, wasn't even penalised, I don't think. Uh. Yeah. He's given a massive headbutt. Let's uh. just play on. <laughs> you get like 10 to 12 weeks now. Uh. Yeah. Now, Boyd, when playing for Manly against Newtown in a semi-final match in 1981 at the Sydney Cricket Ground, was heavily involved in what many regard as the worst all-in brawl ever in the competition. And I was there that day, sitting in the Brongle stand with my with my dad and a few of my sisters and my brother-in-law. Yeah. And I'll never forget it. Yeah. Yeah. Now I've got the I've got the brawl. I think we've shown on a previous um, Facebook post post that I put on, but I've put it on for this episode as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was just full on. Like it was. Yeah. I'm surprised the game wasn't called off. That's how bad it was. Yeah. yeah, a massive brawl erupted during the first scrum of the game with all players involved and with Boyd and former Magpies and Australian teammate Tommy Radonikus coming to blows. Now, several players were sent from the field. Now, the main one was Steve Bowden. And him and he played, he was the prop, a prop forward for Newtown that day. And manly prop forward, he was a New Zealander, Mark Broadhurst. And, oh, Bowden's head-butted him a few times and, you know, had him in a headlock on the ground and he's bashing the tripe out of him. And he's got, like, two black eyes, Broadhurst, and his face is swollen up like a, yeah. like a balloon. Bowden was sent off, and he was the only player sent off yeah. after... And then Newtown got the penalty out of it all. And then Rex goes, um, how Newtown got a penalty out of that, I'll never know. <laughs> he goes, this is the most frantic beginning of a match that I've seen in over 30 years. Yeah, and it was full on. Yeah, gosh, that wouldn't happen today. Gosh, the, the game would be stopped. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so when play eventually resumed, Boyd was extremely fired up and when interviewed by Fox League, said he was determined to get back at Tommy. However, Tommy wanted to get to Boyd first. And when Boyd got to within a metre of Tommy, when Tommy had the ball, if Tommy Radonikus threw the ball away and Boyd and Radonikus were at it again. <laughs> However, you know... They were lifetime great friends until Radonikus passed away yeah. two years ago. Because, yeah, Radonikus from that western suburb side, well, yeah, there was a bit of friction there because Boyd and he'd gone to Manly where Tommy Radonikus, he'd left West and gone to Newtown, which was a, a battling club, you know. Uh. Yeah, where Boyd had gone to where all the money was. Yeah, yeah the, where the silver tails were. Okay. Now, Boyd had played state football for New South Wales before the state of origin concept came along in 1980. 
However, it wasn't until Game 1 of the 1983 series that he made his Origin debut. Now, when Boyd was interviewed in Life in Sport podcast, he said he didn't want to play when he was first picked to play for New South Wales in State of Origin because he had an injured shoulder. And in those days, they were playing a lot of games. So they'd play, you know, the premiership games on the weekend and then they'd be playing the midweek competition as well and, yeah, and then, you know, having to work during the day. And So when playing for New South Wales in the opening game of the 1983 State of Origin at Lang Park, Boyd broke the jaw of Queensland forward Darrell, the big man Broman, with his elbow when Broman ran the ball up. Now, referee Barry the Grasshopper Gomesall did not send Boyd from the field and only gave Queensland a penalty. Now, that was unusual because Gomesall, you know, he was a Queensland referee and he was just so biased normally yeah. towards Queensland. Yeah. Now, Boyd was not even cited by the New South Wales Rugby League over the incident and he was selected to play for Australia against New Zealand. However... Boyd was forced to step down when Penrith's secretary, Charlie Gibson, because Broman was playing for Penrith at the time, and Daryl Broman, he's a big media personality now in rugby league. You know, and he's a football pundit, and you hear him a lot on, um, yeah, calling the games on radio on the weekend, yeah. on uh, 2G, 2GB. He's on the continuous call team. Now, they officially cited him. Now, Boyd then had to face the New South Wales Rugby League judiciary, and then he was given a lengthy 12-month suspension by lawyer Jim Comans, who at the time was on a campaign to clean up the violence on the field, and many felt that Boyd was made a scapegoat, and his punishment was way too harsh. Because it was such a different game then, you know. Now, Boyd would never play representative football again. Now, Broman later took legal action against Boyd over the incident, with the matter being settled out of court. Now, during the State of Origin match, in which uh, Boyd copped his big suspension, he was involved in an on-field punch-up with his manly teammate and Queensland legend, Paul Fatty Fortin. Now, it's, it started when Boyd pushed Vorton after Fatty was penalised for not letting Boyd get up and play the ball. Vorton punched Boyd, they came to blows, and then Queensland prop forward Dave Brown intervened and belted Boyd. Boyd was named in the Australian side and won a place in the side, which Broman was tipped to be in, and make his test debut. However, he didn't get to do that, unfortunately. Now, 1984, when playing for Manly against Canterbury, so he's just come back from his big suspension, Boyd copped another big suspension, this time for eye-gouging Bulldogs hooker Billy Johnston. The 15th, he got suspended for 15 months. Now, this was a record, equaling one, and basically put an end to Boyd's playing career in Australia. Now, Boyd then played the rest of his rugby league career in England with Warrington. Boyd had an enjoyable time with the club, playing 86 matches for the Wolves from 1985 to 1989 with less drama. 
Now, he loved his time in England and wishes he went there and played when he was 18 years old. Boyd said he enjoyed the club, the people and the lifestyle and had a great time. And that's, that was what it was like for me when I played cricket over there. You know, always wish, you know, I was kicking myself I didn't do it earlier. Yeah, like when I left school and... Yeah. There have been plenty of moments in life that I've kicked myself. Yeah. Uh, why did you do that? Why did you do that? Why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? What if? What if? What now, if? Yeah. Now, he played second row for the club and played in the team's 34-8 to loss to powerhouses Wigan in the Lancashire County Cup final in 1985. Now, Boyd was man of the match in Warrington's 38 points to 10 victory over Halifax in the Premiership final of the 1985-86 season at Elland Road, Leeds. Because they used to play, they, they play over the summer now. They have for years. But back in those days, they would play um, in our, yeah, when it was our summer. So a lot of the Australian players had finished playing the Australian season, right? And then they'd go and play the English season. So they're basically playing, playing 12 months of the year. Now, Boyd played left prop in Warrington's 18 points to four defeat by Wigan in the John Player Special Trophy Final the following season at Bolton. Gee, they have a lot of competitions over there. wonder if a lot of those competitions are still going. Mm. Now, he retired in 1989 and believes he could have gone on for another few more years and got into coaching. However, coaching wasn't really his thing. And he had businesses back in Australia and decided to come back home. His wife enjoyed her time there too, so did... So did the kids who went to school there for a couple of years. Now in 2000, the year 2000, Boyd was awarded the Australian Sports Medal for his contribution to Australia's international standing in rugby league. In 2004, Boyd was named in the Western Suburbs Magpies Team of the Century. And yeah, I used to love those days back in the late 70s early 80s, you know, because that Blue Mountains train, it would go past Lickham Oval. Yeah. Yeah, to and from Sydney. Yeah. And, yeah, on a Sunday afternoon, you, you'd try and get a train that would be going past Lickham Oval at that time. Yeah. So you could watch some of the game while the train was going past. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, still to this day, I love going past Lickham Oval on the train. Just brings back so many fond memories of those good old days yeah. yeah now Boyd played 68 games with Wests and 75 games with Manly and Wests they, they still play in the uh, New South Wales competition so that's a feeder competition to the NRL and they play some of their games at Lickham Oval actually yeah. yeah now he scored 58 tries throughout his career with all three clubs he played for now, Boyd said playing against the Eastern Suburbs Roosters, which are now the Sydney Roosters, were the club he had the biggest challenge against out of all the clubs. And this was due to their many international players. that they And they just seemed to buy everyone. Now, Les Boyd, let's look at what he's doing today. Now, he's now 66 years of age 
and currently works as a rep for Lion Nathan in the Riverina region of southwestern New South Wales. Lion Nathan is an alcoholic beverage company that operates in Australia and New Zealand and produces and markets a range of beer and cider. Now he currently lives in Cootamundra. Now have a guess who was born there. A very, very famous Australian sportsman. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have no idea. Our Don Bradman. Uh, yep. The great Sir Donald Bradman, the greatest cricketer of all time, was yeah. born in Cootamundra. However, he grew up in Barrel. Uh, yeah, but no, Cootamundra is where he was born. Yeah, so Cootamundra is a town in the Riverina region. And last year, he commenced his first term as an elected councillor for Cootamundra Gundagai Regional Council. Now, according to the Cootamundra Times, Boyd felt there was a need for a change in representation and a stronger voice for the Kutamundra residents. He hopes he can provide his input and experience to help make decisions to address the financial instability and address the shortage of housing in the area. He also wants to assist the community within the area to grow and prosper. However, Boyd has been frustrated by the pace in regard to getting things through council. Boyd said, quote, gosh, you can relate to this, Glenn. I know I can. I didn't realise the protocols, the red tape and the procedures you've got to go through to get things done. It's sometimes ridiculous. It just takes forever to try and achieve something. End of quote. It's like the NDIS, isn't it? (laughs) Oh boy, I'll start showing more than white line fever if I start talking about that. We'll leave that for another time and place. Boyd believes the builders and people that are doing any development work in Cootamundra are crippled by what he believes are the worst building laws in Australia. People in the building industry are extremely frustrated, he said. Now, Boyd said he wouldn't run for council again if he stays, if it stays the same way it is. Because what they have now, they've got a merged council of Cootamundra and Gundagai. What, what's Gundagai famous for? Yeah, dog on the tucker box. Yeah. yeah. I've never been the Gundagai. Yeah. Now, he said there is animosity between the two communities... And Gundagai people want things done for their community. And Cootamundra want things done for their community. So they're poles apart. Now in the recent State of Origin series, New South Wales coach Brad Fittler Fittler, recruited Boyd into the Blues camp with the aim to fire the team up before the opening game of the series. However, it didn't seem to work. (laughs) (laughs) Now Boyd's brutal tackle on Daryl Broman has become part of state of origin folklore and Boyd regrets what happened and said he never went out to deliberately hurt anyone and it was a spur of the moment thing. Now he's got a few regrets from his career. He's genuinely sorry for what happened to Bryman. However, he said, quote, it is something that did happen and I can't take it back. It's part of life and I can't do much about it now. End of quote. 
Now, when interviewed in the Life in Sport podcast, Boyd mentioned that he and Broman have not spoken since that incident 40 years ago. It's life, he said. He's got his life and I've got my life. Whatever happened, happened. End of quote. Boyd is still great friends with his former coach, Roy Masters, who made the trip out to Cootamundra for the opening of Les Boyd Oval in 2014. Boyd is not that impressed with how Rugby League has turned out today, though, and believes the code has paid a high price for the administration and coaches, turning it from a sport built on passion and flair into a clinical industry. Boyd welcomed the concussion rule that has been brought into the sport, however, believes the business of winning titles at the cost of enterprising play has damaged the game. He told the Sydney Morning Herald that the game is now, quote, more of an industry and most teams have the exact same structured play, end of quote. He believes coaches are introducing tactics that are stifling free-flowing football and the wrestling and getting more and more players involved in the tackles has changed the game. He doesn't like the banning of the shoulder charge and believes it was at odds with the ethos of the game, which is built on toughness. Boyd believes that the minority groups, the do-gooders, are taking control of things and we pander to them. Do you agree with that, Glenn? Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'm a big Les Boyd fan. Make him Prime Minister, I reckon. Yeah. Now, when Tommy Radonikus passed away in 2021 from his long battle with cancer, Boyd paid a special tribute to Tommy and appeared on NRL 360 on Fox League in a special tribute show to the former New South Wales and Australian representative. Boyd and Radonikus were an integral part of the success of the Magpies in the late 70s. Now, Boyd said that Tommy loved the tough stuff and getting in the trenches and getting players psyched up before the game. Boyd said, quote, Sometimes you ran out, you felt bulletproof. Tommy would be telling you how good you are and what you were going to do, end of quote. It was a scary experience playing at Lickham Oval in those days, and the Magpies were extremely hard to beat there. Masters and Tommy made it out that Lickham Oval was their fortress. Now, boy, today he loves a T-bone steak and a salad. If he had a superpower, he would like to be Superman. What's your favourite meal, meal, Glenn? I was going to say something unclean, but... uh... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, pizza. Pizza. Uh, What type of pizza? Vegetarian. Vegetarian. Yeah. The veggie sensational. Yeah, I love the vegetables. So there you go. I'm giving you a plug. So pizza owes me free pizza. <laughs> what about pineapple on pizza? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Same here. What was the first pizza? Yeah, when pizza first came out, yeah, you know, there's probably half a dozen toppings at the most. Mm. Half a different pizzas. Yeah. And what was the most popular? Spring. Uh, you reckon? Meat lovers. No. Vegetarian. No. Hawaiian. Yeah. yeah. That's the easiest like one, it. eh? Yeah. 
What about if you had a superpower? What would what would it be? Show me the same clean response or unclean. <laughs> a superpower. A superpower. <clears throat> um, what would? Oh wow! Oh, there's just so much to pick from. <laughs> I'd like to have unlimited strength. Yep, same here. Yeah, just about the run. Yeah, the power to have strength to run. And lift things and uh, yep. Uh, Being Superman would be all right though, wouldn't it? But I'd love to uh, <laughs> make women say yes to me. Because <laughs> I've, I've had too many no's over the years. The, the power of um, te- telepathy or uh, mm, yep. Yeah. Now Boyd's advice is to take each day as it comes. And cherish the opportunities. Boyd said, quote, When you achieve some things in life, it doesn't mean as much when you're doing it as, as later on. End of quote. He also said, It is important to seize the moment and do things to, your, to the best of your ability. <laughs> yeah, so Boyd mentions that he let himself down at times during his career and at times was lazy, especially at training. Yeah, so he mentioned one time, you know, there was one player back in the early 80s here, Phil Blake. Now, he played for more clubs than Slim Dusty. But, oh, boy, he was like, you know, he came onto the scene playing for Manly as a teenager. And he was well known for his chip and chase tries and just a brilliant attacking player. And he could have been anything, you know. And he had a long career. But I remember, yeah, Boyd was saying that he pulled him aside one day when he was young and said, you know, you could be anything, but you're wasting your talent. Yeah, and about 10 years later, I think, yeah, Phil Blake came back to Les Boyd and he said, yep, you're right. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's the story of Les Boyd. to reveal this week's Who Am I? And the answer is Matthew Hayden. Right, we'll do our top five now. So in fifth spot, I found it really hard to pick. Um, So I've got a tie between two American former athletes, Shaq, Big Shaq, and P.K. Subban. Fifth spot, I've got Glenn McGrath, Third spot, I've got Farrat Coley. Second spot, I've got Shane Warne. And in top spot, I have... Drum roll, please. <laughs> now, where are they now from today? The baby-faced assassin, Les Boyd. Who was your number one, Glenn? Shane Warne. Shane Warne. Yeah. Right, so next episode, we're going to have a birthday episode. Now, we had one for you last year, Glenn, didn't we? So next week, we're going to celebrate Glenn's birthday as well, but we're also going to celebrate Miss Olivia's. Yeah, we're only two days apart, one day apart, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about some famous sports people who were born on the 4th of August. Mm. Yeah. We, last year we spoke about some of the 
born on uh, your birthday. But not just some sports people, uh, some well-known personalities. Uh, yeah. And I was quite surprised by it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, thanks for joining uh, us today. Oh, oh joke yeah. time. I forgot. Okay, I've got two jokes. He's got two rippers, apparently. Yeah. Hit me with it. Uh, the phone rings, this lady answers the phone, and on the other end, there's this deep, seedy voice, heavy breathing, saying, I've bet you've got a tight ass with no hair. And she says, You're right, I do. He's, he's sitting on the couch. May, may, may I ask who's calling? <laughs> Preparing her husband being bald and a tight person. Yeah? Yeah, so. Yeah. Okay, second joke. Second one. It's a bit longer. Three nuns go to pass away and end up at the pearly gates. Yeah. The first nun goes up, St. Peter calls up the first nun and says, um, oh, yeah. We've got a brain freeze here. Um, asked another question. Who turned water into wine? And he said, Jesus. And said, Jesus. And the bells chimes and the angels sing and the pearly gates open and she walks through. The second nun comes up. Yeah. And St. Peter goes, Who did God tell to build the ark? And the nun goes, um, and that, that was Noah. So the bells ring and the angels sing, the pearly gates open, and she walked through. The third nun comes up, and St. Peter says, What did Eve say to Adam? And she, she's sitting there going, That's a hard one. The bells ring, the angels sing, <laughs> the ghost. Open up and she walks in. Yeah. Do you get it? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, I dear, I dear. <laughs> oh boy. One of your best. <laughs> I got, I got that from a, um, <clears throat> an old 40 AFL legend, B B Billy Brownless. Oh, yep. He told that one. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, yeah, I've got, to, I've got to share that one as well. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably get struck by lightning on the way. <laughs> Yeah, wonder if Glenn will get through the pearly gates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good one. So, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Sports Shack. All references for this episode are on the platform page. And please check out our Facebook posts for my sporting memories. Thanks to Gold Studio Productions for producing the Sports Shack and Paul's 50 years of sporting memories. Please check out Gold Studio Productions on Facebook. So it's a goodbye from Paul. It's a goodbye for Glenn. Goodbye. Bye.